Just in case you aren't caught up on all our episodes, we put the best of the best all in one for you. So check out our best in episode 54. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put sexy into supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. So what does a captain and freight insurance have in common? Well, you are going to find out in today's episode. Welcome back to the show. We are so happy you decided to join us, and I'm sure our guest is too. Captain Andrew Kinsey spent 23 years in the U.S. Merchant Marine and U.S. Naval Reserve, sailing in all licensed ranks, including master. His sailing experience was primarily with Maersk Lines, sailing as master of three different container ships. After coming ashore in 2006, Andrew worked as an independent marine surveyor in the tri-state area and joined the ACE U.S. Commercial Marine Advisory Service in 2009. At ACE, he was responsible for providing a wide range of risk control services to support its commercial book of marine business, including cargo, project cargo, hull and machinery, terminal operators, and related inland marine LOBs. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. All right, why don't we get started? Can you tell us about Allianz? Yes, uh, Allianz, it's Allianz Global Corporate and Specialty, AGCS. And we provide um, total global marine insurance for all types of marine risks, from either a small single vessel operator to complex multinational businesses. And we ensure all stages of the distribution chain, uh, goods in transit, storage risks, uh, international insurance programs, and also project cargo for specialized shipments. What exactly is freight insurance? Well, ocean marine cargo insurance is actually the oldest line of insurance in existence. And it covers the transport of goods, both foreign and domestic, uh, for loss, damage, or theft while in transit. And marine transport is responsible for the movement of over 90% of the world's freight. Wow. So if a container gets stolen, would we blame the captain? <laughs> uh, stolen, no, because we've already discharged it to the uh, terminal. If it gets broken into by pirates while underway, Yes, I would have been responsible. I, I did have some piracy attacks uh, during my years at sea. Can you tell? Uh, one of the more common reasons for losses of containers at sea is from heavy weather damage. And why? Why is that? Is that you know you're in the middle of a storm and you need to get rid of some weight, or the actual container has been damaged by the storm? No, uh, the days of jettisoning cargo are similar to. Um, you know, general average. Those days of jettisoning have have gone. They're, they've disappeared now. The the reason for container losses now is uh, an unintended loss of containers from the stack due to uh, weather conditions, excessive rolling. What they call a uh, a synchronous roll. Container ships can develop that, and um, then containers can fall over the side. And is that from just uh, cargo shifting? 
No, it's from the accelerations due to the vessel movement overcoming the securing uh, strength of, of, of the uh, container lashings. Interesting. Okay, so with uh, technology these days, sorry, we're, we're, we'll get back into the white paper in a second, but with the mm -hmm. technology and stuff these days, how often does that happen? Because I'm sure you'll be able to maneuver through the routes based on weather, no? Well, the, the losses of containers over the side were, were at historical lows last year, but it still occurs. And even though we have very precise weather routing and weather planning, as the two storms that have impacted uh, the U.S., Gulf Coast and East Coast in the past three weeks show, you, you can't always tell where the weather's going to be. So, and since we are on a just-in-time delivery schedule and people want to get their goods on time, then there is pressure to keep the vessels moving. Yeah, and on course, I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. Diversions expend money, both in time and in fuel burned. Right. Okay. Interesting. And now before we get to the white paper, can you tell us a piracy story? Oh, okay. yes. Uh, pirates and stowaways. But one of my, is actually uh, my first ship as cadet many moons ago on the west coast of Africa. We were slowing down to uh, board the pilot in uh, Sierra Leone and as we boarded the pirate on the starboard side, the pirates came up on the port side. So uh, I brought the pilot to the bridge. It was an old midship house, brake bulk ship, and I'm walking forward on the port side. And as I leave the midship's house to walk forward, I have two cups of coffee in my hand, and there's a pirate coming over the rail with a machete in his. So, so what did you do? Machete, machete trumps coffee. I turned around, went back inside the house, closed the door, dogged it down, locked it, and... Uh, raised a word on the radio. Wow. Okay. And I'm guessing they didn't get in the house. Uh, no. Normally in those cases, this wasn't a situation uh, where it was a vessel hijacking. This is more of a smash and grab. That, that basically they'd, try, they'd get on board grappling hooks and they would try to grab whatever they could. Different parts of the world have different piracy profiles, shall we say. There, there's different... Uh, main criteria that they tried to do. But in that particular case, it was simply looking for whatever loose gear, if they could break into the store's locker, the bosun's locker, or whatever they could grab, they'd, they'd go and, and get off the ship with. Interesting. No, because I'm, you know, basing all of my, you know, experience with that on the movie Captain Phillips, because that's, you know, the only one that I've seen and the only exposure that I've had to that. So um, I thought you were going to say Pirates of the Caribbean or something. No, I haven't seen Pirates of the Caribbean. Anyways. All right. Let's get back to the subject. So just want to let all of our listeners know that Alliance was... Um, happy to provide us with a white paper all about the shipping industry and freight insurance. So make sure you go and check that out at our website, twobabestalksupplychain.com. Why don't you, Captain Andrew, why don't you give us an overview of what the shipping industry has done in the last two years? And this is kind of all based on some of the losses that you indicate in that white paper that you've provided. Well, you know, the the global shipping community continues to make progress in making ocean transport, both of passengers and crew and cargo and vessels, safer and more efficient. Some of the key areas that have seen progress in the past year or two years, we had the 
container gross mass verification. Now, that, that it seems kind of wordy and it doesn't really seem that important, but it's critical to understand that up until this, it wasn't a requirement to weigh a container. And it's critical that we know how much the container weighs because that directly impacts the stability of the ship and also the bending moment and shear forces. If we look back to the MLL Comfort in 2013, she broke apart in the Indian Ocean as a result of repeated cycling of stresses and overloading. So that container gross mass verification is very important and the IMO implemented it and it went into force last year. Um, something else that has been um, on the front uh, burner for the IMO this past year is the polar code. We've heard a lot about the retreat of the polar ice caps and the opening of the northern sea routes. And the polar code is key so that we have ground rules going forward. It's, for maritime people such as myself, it's very rare that a new shipping route opens up. Literally today, we are sailing the same routes as Magellan in many respects. The waypoints are the waypoints, and they've always been the waypoints. You know, when we're going from Gibraltar to Tongue of the Ocean, you know, hole in the wall to the Bahamas, you, you sail the same route. Great Circle in the Pacific or in the North Atlantic, you're following the same route. But literally now with the Northern Sea routes opening, we are looking at new shipping routes coming up. And it's important that uh, people understand the risks associated with them and the best practices that we need to implement to navigate them safely. Uh, another key aspect that we're looking at in the marine environment for safety and shipping is cybersecurity. Um, cyber continues to uh, gain uh, visibility most recently with the cyber attack, the ransomware attack on MERSC lines. So um, it's something that we've been pushing for for quite some time to, to get it uh, to the for forefront and for people to start talking about it and for training to take place and that the shipping industry needs to have a more robust cybersecurity profile. So are you, from a cybersecurity standpoint, are you talking about the steamship lines themselves or just companies in general? the industry as a whole. Okay. The, the fascinating thing about cyber, you know, we, we talked just earlier here about my piracy incident. And, and when we're, that's a bit esoteric maybe, but that's what mariners are, what, that's what we're trained to deal with. Whether it's weather or shipping traffic or piracy, we are dealing with threats that are traditional threats and we watch the barometer or we, we look at the horizon and, and we can see the threats. Cyber is something completely different. If you have an ISP address, you can be targeted. And they're not just looking for ships, they're looking for any ISP address. And then once they get it, then they can look at how they're going to impact operations. So it's not a traditional maritime risk. As a result, helping to train mariners both ashore and at sea about how to improve improve their cybersecurity profile is a bit of a challenge because it's a it's a non-traditional risk that we need to raise the uh, word on. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to gross mass, so it the weight of containers didn't need to be verified until last year. Is that what you were saying? Yes. 
It, it, it was supposed to, but there was no um, let's. There was no IMO regulation that that codified it. How they were supposed to verify the the, the gross mass. Wow, because that could, it, that could make a well, lot of difference. No, it, it doesn't make much sense, does it? But uh, it's one of the things we uh, one of the challenges we have, and even now we're still dealing with the, the challenges of uh, misdeclared cargo. You know, we're still we're, we're trying to make sure that we get them all weighed, but we also want to know what's inside those boxes uh, because of uh, hazardous materials and misdeclared cargo. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked about um, hacking and um, <clears throat> also uh, general weight of cargo. Is there any other safety concerns that you could think of? Oh, yes. Um, watch standard training. The training of vessel crews, and, and this ties into the overall um, pressures that the industry is facing for uh, risks and economic pressures, which can impact the safety of a vessel, because it, it's all tied together. So when you're looking at a very tight operating margin and you're trying to save costs wherever you can, you want to make sure that both the maintenance and upkeep of the vessel, and also the manning and the training of the crew do not suffer as a result of cost-saving measures. Hmm. Yeah, that would make a lot of difference. So um, are there any other marine risks then that we haven't actually identified just yet? Oh, there's always new risks and old risks. Um, you know, when we, when we look at the risks, there are both, uh, you know, naturally occurring and, and man-made so one of the one of the you know in addition to the heavy weather the safe uh, navigation of vessels routing of vessels through hot spots shall we say just last week um on september 7th the combined maritime forces in bahrain issued uh an advisory related to transit through the gulf of aden and the straits of bab al-mendeb into the Southern Red Sea because of recent attacks against merchant shipping due to the unrest in Yemen. So there has actually been a new uh, maritime security transit corridor, a, a proposed route, similar to what had been enacted for the uh, BMP, the management best practices for Somalia routing, for the piracy thing. But this is now because of uh, attacks. So we have those pressures, and also we have other hotspots that, that are places that we are concerned about and monitor closely. South China Sea with um, China's activity and the U.S. activity um, around the Spratleys is another area of, of grave concern. And why, why is that? Because so much traffic and volume passes through such a small choke point area that any type of naval activity could have disastrous effects on the supply chain. Now, let's say a, a pirate does attack your ship. Is there any uh, protocol, like you got to fend them off for so long until you could get help by the local Coast Guard or, or U.S. Navy or anything? Well, it all depends on where you are. Now, uh, there was a, uh, a story in the news last week of a tanker that was boarded, the alarm was raised, and a response was mounted, and they actually captured the pirates on board the vessel, which is wow. fantastic news from our standpoint. That shows that the 
the protocols that are in place are being refined, being implemented, and are being proved effective. But in any type of, of piracy, or even, you know, if we're looking just at naturally occurring heavy weather, it's best to prepare in advance rather than respond after. And what we tell our assureds is, you know, take the steps to make yourself a hard target. Unfortunately, in many cases, it's the law of the jungle. You don't need to be the fastest ship out there, but you have to be the second slowest. <laughs> I hear you there. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Um, the next question is, uh, what is the fallout from hanging? Numerous. Um, bottom line from a supply chain standpoint is it's resulting in less choice for shippers. The, the consolidation, which had been occurring prior to Hanjin, but accelerated after the Hanjin situation is, well, it's the new normal now. We have seen, uh, in the last seven years, we've gone from nine main alliances of shipping companies to three. There are three main choices now, three alliances on that Far East, West Coast, routing or yeah, Far East Europe. So with only three alliances, even though there's companies making up those alliances, it has some in, important impact for shippers. And, you know, if you, have a, if you have a contract with a carrier in an alliance, you, you, kind of, you have to do your homework and find out if it's gonna be carried on their ships. Yeah. Because if not, they, the, the ship owner within the alliance will have priority in booking. So you might want to look at saying, okay, well, I'm going to be using this alliance, but I'm going to set up contracts with two carriers within this alliance. Or you have to look at saying, well, if I have different carrier alliances, perhaps I should have a contract with both alliances so that I have changes in routing or transit time or pricing issues, I have flexibility. Yeah, how does that affect insurance? Well, for our insurers, we like to have flexibility. And any time that we see a reduction in flexibility, it, it is concerning. So while in some regards, uh, the weeding out, shall we say, of smaller carriers has been a good thing and that it's raised the overall level of competency, the fact that the margins are so tight and cost savings are such an all-encompassing trend right now, as I said earlier, it, it raises pressure on is maintenance of the vessels going to be delayed? Is training of the crew going to be cut back? So from an insurance standpoint, these are things that we monitor. We sit down and look at closely and continue to look at because it, it's not going away. Yeah, let's let's stay on that route. So what are the concerns and factors considered when you're assessing risk when it comes to insurance? Well, at AGCS, we take a holistic approach to the, the, the supply chain challenges. It, it's dangerous and it's ineffective to work in a bubble. You, you can't get tunnel vision on, on one aspect of it. You have to identify the weakest links overall in a supply chain and and take those proactive steps to help strengthen the overall risk profile. And this starts with design and, and packaging, and it extends through to carrier selection 
and that last mile delivery. So should companies consider freight insurance and why would that be? Well, I, I think it's critical. Um, and it, it's more than just coverage. Yeah, this is, you know, at AGCS, something that we strive to offer is evaluated service. It's included in the coverage. And we work with our assureds to evaluate the risks within their supply chain. And this can have, it has a direct improvement on the bottom line. Because even if you have insurance, if you have claims, you're not going to be made whole. Yes, you'll get the payment, but still your cargo has not gone from point A to point B safely and efficiently. So we work to eliminate all claims. You know, you'll have deductible and you have a, what we're concerned about is this overall supply chain of our shorts and how to make sure the cargo gets from A to B safely and efficiently day in, day out. Okay. And um, when it comes to insurance, I know there's a lot of debate back and forth between, you know, going to get your own versus, you know, getting insurance through a freight folder. I mean, what what would you suggest? And if, if people are going to go out on their own and not get the insurance through their freight folder, what are the questions and things that they need to consider to make the right choice in which insurance company they should go with? Well, what I tell clients when I meet with them is that they know their product better than I do. I learn about their product from them, but I know the overall landscape of the risks that they're going to be exposed to better. So what we try to do is leverage our global presence to evaluate what they're shipping, how they're shipping it, and how it can be done faster, more efficiently, and safer. So when they're going out and looking for coverage, it's still, of all insurance, marine insurance is a relationship-based business. And one of the keys is that they feel comfortable with the people they're working with, because communication is key. This is a lot of personal interaction and a lot of sitting down and planning. So they need to feel comfortable. They need to feel that the, the company, the underwriters that they're talking to, have their best interest in mind, understand what they're trying to accomplish, and that they can work with them on a, on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah, because it could mean, you know, the difference between sales and lost sales. I mean, you know, if you've got a shipment coming over and, and it, gets, it gets lost on the water or what have you, all of that product is gone, and it could take, you know, six to eight weeks just to make that product all over again. Or in some of our more complex project cargo assignments where you have delay and startup coverage as well with DSU, this could adversely infect the entire project if you're dealing with having a plant come online and production. So it can have wide-ranging impact. Um, now, say you had two exact same shipments. One was going with OOCL, the other one was going with another container line. Would that have an effect on the insurance amount depending on what steamship line you're using or, or what company you're using to ship with? Well, that would be a question for the underwriter. And uh, I can honestly say, thankfully, I don't have to deal with race. <laughs> so I, I look at it the same. But what you're saying right there is a good point because one of the challenges now with the mega container vessels is it's never a good idea to put them all in one basket. Mm -hmm. So 
you want to make sure that you know, and, and we go back to what can companies do? Know where your cargo is. Unfortunately, many companies that use uh, third-party logistics providers simply say, get it there, and then tell me when it shows up. And it is important that they understand where their cargo is, how it's being carried, and accumulation, because you can have so many containers on a single vessel. You could have what you think are three different shipments that are being consolidated and all moved on one hull. Yeah, absolutely. So just going back to the insurance one more time, um, what does the insurance cover uh, just for our audience? What, what exactly should it cover? Is it, you know, cost of goods? Is it, you know, cost of goods plus the freight charges? What, what exactly does it cover? Well, it can cover all, everything that you mentioned, and that is, uh, that's why policies are developed based on the needs of the assured. So they can sit down with their broker and their broker can explain to them and then the broker can go to the underwriters and get those quotes to tailor that policy to their needs. Yeah, because I'm sure every company and and every product or even even a product-based business versus a project-type business are very, very, very different um, and could... Probably also depend on the eco-terms, when, who takes exactly. the Exactly. Now, the, the interesting thing is on, on eco-terms is if we're doing a major project and we have a delay in startup cover on that project and we're, we're dealing with project cargo movements, we will still be on hand, regardless of INCO terms, surveying that project cargo to make sure it safely and successfully completes its voyage because we're responsible for the overall project. So at times there are overriding concerns that, shall we say, trump INCO terms, but that is not the normal case. Okay, and if somebody does have a claim, let's say something happened, there was damage or, or loss of cargo or things like that, what's the process? What does that look like for somebody? And, and um, they get payment, they don't get the product back, but w what exactly does that look like? Well, this is someplace where it's also key when you're assured you're going out and looking for coverage because the, the most important time to learn about the claims process is before binding, not at the time of claim. You want to make sure you can sit down and, and what we do here at AGCS is when we're meeting with new assurers, it's quite common for both loss control and claims to sit down together at a pre-binding meeting and discuss how the process works, both from loss control and then working hand in hand with claims, because th that's the time to identify that and understand the process, not when you have to file. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great idea. Getting everybody together and, and having that conversation before moving forward or even starting to import or, or starting a project or something like that, just making sure you're covered from, from both angles. It's also critical even with existing cover if you change the profile. Are you now saying instead of going uh, from the Mediterranean to North Europe, are you starting now U.S. shipments? Looking at as you're uh, profile changes on your supplies to sit down and evaluate the different treaties that you have that you're now falling under and the reporting requirements and then make sure that your coverage is now still valid and revisit that periodically that that claims renewals are a very good time to sit down and say okay has anything changed in your claims process have you automated it is there a new email address my bills of lading, can all that be, or my certificates of insurance 
for specific countries. Can that be done electronically? Yeah, not only that, but even covering things like, you know, if you're if you're shipping into Europe, maybe the VAT is, um, you know, different from shipping into the U.S. Yes, or, or shipping into Canada. Or even USDA compliance now with, with the, uh, the new food regs. Yeah, absolutely. So making sure you're covered for all of the additional costs that come with shipping to different locations. Exactly. All right. Well, before we wind this down and I ask you what's next for Alliance, I just want to know your stowaway story. You mentioned a stowaway story at the beginning of the interview. Yes. Um, stowaways are a challenge because uh, normally where they get on is not where they're originally from, and you are responsible for them. You so are. So in, in my case, uh, we were actually uh, supplying the UN mission in, in Mogadishu, in Somalia, during Operation Restore Hope. And we had gone down to Mombasa in Kenya. We were at the grain dock there taking on stores, changing out crew. And uh, with the river there, you have to be anchored by both bow and stern anchors. And in this case, uh, we had several um, stowaways climb up the stern anchor chain and uh, hide in the chain locker. And uh, they really wanted to be on board because we hauled up the anchor and put about two shots of chain in that locker, and they didn't come out until a couple of days later they popped up. They thought they were going to New York because that was what was written on the stern of the ship, port, you know, hailing port. Uh, unfortunately, we were leaving Kenya and pulling right back into Mogadishu. So uh, that wasn't exactly where they were planning to go. That's crazy how you have to take responsibility of that. Yeah. I would say, like, just start cruising and throw them overboard. I didn't no, know anything. you can't do that. No, no. <laughs> yeah, you're responsible for their, their repatriation. So it, it's a challenge. And I guess... Uh, as are many of the things that, you know, when people used to ask me, I, I was very fortunate. I, I sailed for 13 years as master, and uh, when people would ask me, what do you do on the ship? I said, well, I'm the guy who gets blamed for everything. <laughs> what is the craziest thing you've ever seen as a captain? Oh, wow. Well, uh, Super Typhoon Paca comes to mind. and I, There was another typhoon that uh, I was... Uh, on the bridge, I was sailing Danish flag at the time, and well, we were hove to off the uh, coast of Taiwan, and the eye passed over us, and it was like being in an elevator. Your ears were popping. The pressure was changing so quickly, and you're, you're just watching the barometer fall like the needle was broken. That'll wake you up. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so let's wind this down. What is next for Allianz? Well, I, I think the, uh, the key that we've... And what we, what we stress is to be proactive. We proactively monitor and we adapt to what is a rapidly changing market. And from the use of, of big data in loss control, which we're currently working on, to conducting the background research that we need to, re, I mean, remain marine subject matter experts in either cyber or vessel navigation and vessel operations, including automated operations, all these emerging risks and existing risks require a, a proactive approach and a company that is committed to safe and efficient transport. And that's what we strive for here at AGCS.
Awesome. Well, we have loved having you on the show and thank you so much for AGCS and your download. Remember to pick that up on our website. It's going to go through many of the things that we spoke about on this episode today and it will give you a lot more information than what we've covered in this episode. Make sure you visit their website as well. That's A-L-L-I-A-N-Z.com. And again, thank you so much, Captain Andrew and AGCS for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. We hope you had as much fun as we did on this episode with Captain Andrew. Remember, check out or get your tickets to the International Trade Conference of the Year coming up October 2nd to the 4th, 2017. www.fitfortrade.com slash yourfuture2017. We are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurik. It would mean a lot to us if you'd subscribe or write us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Have a great day, and remember folks, ship happens.